Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. If you work and live amongst non-believers, I wonder if you've ever found that their approach to faith is challenging to yours. Have you found that their questions and antagonism has, makes you cause to think, mm, maybe you do have a point? Well, this week I'm joined by a man who over a 10-year period has heard the very best arguments against faith that non-believers have produced and has remained a believer himself. He is Premier's own Justin Briley, who presents The Unbelievable Show on a Saturday afternoon and has recently launched his book, Unbelievable, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. So welcome, Justin. Thank you very much for having me on great. the show, Andy. Well, great, great to have you on this show. Um, I'm greatly value your show as you know I, I listen to podcasts with great joy uh, often on a run mm -hmm. uh, and um as or a long long car journey so uh, it's great to have the chance on this show um the show has certainly been uh, very successful millions of downloads i understand mm. uh, and especially in the united states that's right i mean the show began as all shows on premier begin as a radio show uh it's been going yeah getting on for 11 and a half years now but it became a podcast as well uh, a few years into its life. And that was really when we started to see an international audience for the programme growing up. And not just international, but quite a diverse audience in terms of Christians and atheists listening. Mm. So obviously on Premier Christian Radio, the, the majority of the audience are Christians listening. Mm. Um, but what was interesting is as we started to put it out online, uh, especially when I had well-known atheist guests on, suddenly we'd see a number of atheists start to pick it up on the podcast and that mm. sort of thing. So that a great deal of the, the correspondence I get now, feedback to the show, is from atheists and agnostics, people who don't believe. And in that sense, um, that's a great joy for me because it's such an interesting opportunity uh, to be able to reach directly in that way so many non-Christians as well through the show. So take me back to ten over 10 years ago when you began the idea. Mm. Um, how did it, you know, obviously you wouldn't have dreamt exactly what's happened, but and, and tell me about the, the start of the idea and also at what point you thought, hang on, we're on to something here. Well, yeah, going back to the start, this was in late 2005. I'd been already at Premier for a few years. I'd got to know the grips, get to grips with the, the way you run a radio show. I'd been a co-presenter on The Breakfast Show. But I went to Peter Kerridge, the, the CEO of Premier, and said, I'd really like my own spot on air. And he said, we could give you a Saturday afternoon show. And I said, I want to do a show where we're not just talking to Christians about Christian things, but we're actually expanding the you know getting out the bubble a bit and we're actually talking to non-christians and maybe modeling some good conversations how you would talk to someone who doesn't share your faith um hear what they have to say and share the evidence for christianity and uh, and that was the start of it and, and i had in my mind at that point 
the title of the show. I wanted to call it Unbelievable with a question mark. So he said, we'll give it a shot. And he did give it a shot. And uh, and yeah, so 11 and a half years later, here we are. And it's, it's still going strong. And was it the kind of feedback that you were getting that meant you thought, hang on, we're onto something here? Was that the, the first? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it began as a show where we took listener calls as well. We don't do that now. We mm. kind of keep it to the debate between my guests and then we have feedback mm. afterwards. But mm. but it was interesting, you know, certain topics, you'd really get a strong response from the listeners, um, particularly when we started to do a few debates on Islam. Mm. The phones went wild when we started doing some debates between Christians and Muslims. Uh, and you could tell which topics were kind of really engaging the listeners. And so I could see it was engaging the Christians. It was, But what was interesting was when a significant number of non-Christians started listening once the podcast um, went live and, and we were able to see see that side of the show develop as well and and i think it, there's something of a surprise for for both christians and non-christians that this kind of thing happens in a, a on a christian radio yeah, yeah. And, and on a christian radio yes. station as well because i mean one of the early issues you know mm. we had was that not every listener to premier christian radio was too enthusiastic about inviting yeah. atheists and skeptics onto premier you know a christian radio station you know they've got plenty of airtime on the bbc they would say <laughs> do we need them on yes. on a christian radio station um but then there were lots of people who also really valued having that point of view mm. put across and being able to engage with it in that way not always comfortable to hear you know a, a cogent critique of christianity put Gosh. across but nonetheless um they saw the value in it mm. and so i think in the end what happened was people who didn't enjoy it so much, learned to skip that, you know, 90 second slot and others who did enjoy it, you know, would tune in regularly. Um, but yeah, the, the I think it was really important to start to model good conversations because it has been a very shrill kind of debates and arguments that go on, especially these days on social media and on the online you never, you very rarely see good conversations happening on your average Facebook debate page between Christians and non-Christians. But it's funny enough, when you do sit them down together in a studio, you can often have quite a good conversation. Um, it, it, there's, there's a problem, I think, with the online debating thing. And I'm involved in quite a few myself. There's an unbelievable Facebook group where a lot of Christians and non-Christians go at it. And the problem is that the anonymity of uh, sitting behind a computer screen means that you tend to be quite you know arrogant you you tend to respond in kind when people hurl insults and this goes for the christians and non-christians and uh whereas if you're sitting with someone it's much harder to do that you have to treat them as a human being rather than a sort of uh sort of faceless entity mm. at the other end of a computer and one of the things i like about the show is that that um you get robust obviously comment from the, the non-believer there mm. and you you've moderated very well and a, a number of people have written in to say how well you moderate it but you're not you don't patronize them so when when something needs saying it is said mm. and I, I like i like the robustness of yeah so you cheat you're, you're respectful by calling people up taking people out short if you think their arguments are illogical or whatever yeah, yeah I, I i try to put myself in the position of the listener whether they're Christian or non-Christian and ask the kinds of questions that they might be asking at this mm. point well I, I'm not sure I understood that could you explain that more and if I think they really haven't answered the question in hand um, I'll maybe pose it again and say mm. but isn't what he's really saying this you know um, so yeah um, and hope and yeah overall the feedback has generally been that it, I 
do a fair job. Um, in fact, sometimes people who have maybe started listening to a few episodes have got in touch and said, I couldn't tell whether you were a Christian or not, for you know, because I didn't... Yes. You know, tr I tried to be as neutral as possible mm. uh, in the course of doing the discussions. Obviously, I am a Christian, and mm. obviously my Christian faith influences everything I, I say and think and believe. But when it comes to moderating the debates, I, I do try to make it a level playing field. Sure. So which which atheists had, have been the best at the presenting their... You, mm. you know, your book's subtitled, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. Yeah. So none of them have persuaded you, but... But some of me maybe me yeah I'm, I, there's, there's definitely you know and it depends entirely I think on the sort of um, nature of the topic mm -hmm. that that you might be debating and there's there's certain people who are masters in their field uh, who uh, certainly that you wouldn't want to take them on without really knowing your mm -hmm. stuff if you know what I mean um, when it comes to the issues around the reliability of the Bible as someone I've had on many times over the years now is Bart Ehrman, mm. who's a well-known sort of yes. critic of um, the the New Testament. Um, and he's American. Uh, his story is that he was a Christian at one time and he sort of lost his faith mm. uh, through, through a process. And But he's released a number of books which kind of have cast doubt upon the reliability of the New Testament and that sort of thing. He's mm. and, and because he's such a good communicator, he's not a sort of fuddy-duddy ivory tower type. He, he actually mm. really knows how to put his case across. You know, he can be quite persuasive in his lectures and his debates mm. and so on. Um, and I remember the first time I had him on and I read his book, um, Misquoting Jesus, uh, you know, he brought up some really good points and it, it gave me sort of pause for thought, you know. And I, I remember I read it over a Christmas period before interviewing him in the new year. And I was like, oh, I, this, this is this is tough stuff, actually. This is shaking my faith a bit. Um, now, actually, when we came to record the debate, I had Peter J. Williams of Tyndale House in Cambridge on to debate him. And suddenly it's, it's like that proverb that says, you know, one person's case seems good until the other comes to contest it sort of thing. And and you realise that a lot of what Bart Ehrman says in this book is actually there are very good ways of, of countering it and seeing that he tends to spin things in, in the worst possible light when, in fact, that things really aren't so bad. And and, and so that was a great example where I think um, we had two people at the top of their fields mm. interacting and we brought on the very best of, of the kind of the critical mm. side towards Christianity. But Christianity was able to absolutely stand its ground as far as I'm concerned. And, and we, you know, and, and that was a real lesson for me in, in kind of making, seeing that the Bible can stand on its own two feet. And I think that's reassuring for listeners, for Christians mm. particularly, who know that they can't enter the level of intellectual debate that yeah. they're hearing, but but uh, are reassured that someone is. Someone's yes, out there it, it, exactly. And and I think that's the important thing is is what we're trying to do on Unbelievable. We're, you know, you could just bring on the you know the pro Christian side and just have them make their case, and and that's fine. You know, it's that's reassuring and comforting. Um, the 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 slightly more dangerous thing to do is bring in the non-Christian, the Bar Airman, and give him the opportunity to, to make his case against Christianity. Um, and for me, that's what you'll find on a lot of the atheist podcasts and that sort of thing. They're, that's mm. it's just their voice you hear. But in Unbelievable, we, bringing on both sides means that we, we actually engage fairly both sides. Mm. And you're not going to just get pat apologetic answers, mm. but you're not just going to get the other side of the case either. You're going to hear what it feels like to hear mm. both of those sides uh, together and, and answering back to each other. And, um, and again, I, I'd say that's not necessarily something everyone will enjoy. But I found my faith ultimately 
is uh, has far more of a grounding now being able to have heard those kinds of conversations and being able to think myself through well what do I do with that particular mm. issue and and how would I respond to that particular thing mm. yeah and occasionally of course you have Christians and Christians together debating yes. an area that's yeah. um, you know not not central to the faith, but, but yeah. over which Christians disagree. So creation, evolution. Yeah. Um, some different areas. views of hell, different views of salvation, yeah. um, atonement theology. Yeah. Mm. We've done it all, basically. It's it's very much is a theology and apologetics yes, podcast yeah. in that sense. And and so in in many ways, the, the, the theology side, the theology debates we've done between Christians of different views have have been almost as helpful, I'd say, as the apologetics debates because... Um, a lot of that helps you to think about how you answer some of those big questions on things like evil and suffering. You know, your view of creation and evolution is going to have an impact on what you believe about evil and suffering in the world. Your view on hell, you know, is going to have a view on how you answer the skeptic who says, how can a loving God send people to hell? Have you thought through what your actual doctrine of hell is and that sort of thing? So I think I think it's actually really helpful for people who are doing evangelism and apologetics to also really have a good grasp on the, their general worldview when it comes to biblical Christianity. Well, you're listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Justin Briley, who is, of course, a, a fellow presenter here on Premier Radio, the presenter of An Unbelievable Show. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Justin Briley. Uh, Justin is, of course, a, a fellow presenter on Premier Radio, and he's the author uh, of a new book, uh, Unbelievable? Question mark. Why, after 10 years of talking with atheists, I'm still a Christian? Uh, it's just been launched, and uh, we're talking about the book and about the, the show that um, her, the book is uh, based upon. Uh, so, Justin, um, have your views on, on, on issues changed much over the 10 years, would you say? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd say I've had a sort of theological education in the process yeah. of doing the show. And so inevitably, some of my views and even in some ways, things I'd never really thought about before yeah, necessarily did. that I've then had to think about and, and mm. kind of develop a view on. There are many things which I still think a bit of a mystery. I don't know where I fall on that particular issue. And of course, many of these things are not central issues mm. that you have to have an opinion on necessarily. Not the deity of Jesus. Exactly. Whatever, exactly. Um, I'd say, you know, I, I feel more confident than ever in what I would call as the, the, the fundamentals, you know, the deity of Jesus, the resurrection um, and so on. The, these things for me are fully supported by the evidence as I see it. Um, but there's things like, for instance, the nature of hell, which I already mentioned earlier, I'd say my view on that has changed over time. So, and th this is controversial for some people, but I, I wouldn't go for a, um, what's sometimes called eternal conscious torment view of hell anymore. I would subscribe to something a little bit more like what John Stott held, um, the view of annihilationism or um, conditional. Condi conditional immortality, it's sometimes called. And, and that has definitely been through doing several shows on Unbelievable that I became convinced that biblically, mm. Um, the case is much stronger for for that, and just for those who aren't sure what those terms mean, etern eternal conscious torment is, is is the idea that hell is a place of everlasting punishment um, for those who are lost. Um, annihilationism is the view that actually hell is a final end, a, an extinction, if you like, event for those who choose not to put their trust in Christ. And so, um, and I, I I became convinced, you know, after hearing you know very 
good people on both sides debating that that actually the annihilationism view is better supported by scripture and also for me better supported um if it's kind of philosophically and ethically as well in terms of the way i conceive of god's character and justice and so on okay um and church leaders obviously listen to the show are, are you aware of church leaders who've maybe change their approach to church life and involving apologetics more i think generally it's unbelievable has been part of a general awakening of um, awareness of the need for apologetics Mm -hmm. in the church and so in the lifetime of the show i've definitely seen a a big change in terms of the awareness of church leaders of the need for apologetics churches putting on apologetics events churches inviting apologetics speakers and so on um and and it's all coincided of course with the rise of the new atheism so again you know the show started around the same time that richard dawkins book the god delusion came out and his name as a well-known atheist has been a frequent one on the show and in that sense um i think the church as well has realized that it needs to provide an answer to this sort of form of scepticism which has become so prevalent in society where where these days nothing is sacred as far as the 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 secularists are concerned you know and they will go for christianity and um and so realizing that because that's so prevalent now online on social media that especially their younger people are needing an answer are needing to be equipped to face those kinds of things you can't just tell people to love jesus and go and do good and let's have a good praise on a Sunday morning that's all good but I think a lot of churches now realizing we need to train people with with how they're going to respond to the kinds of objections they're going to reach and certainly I've had lots of church leaders both here in the UK and the USA who've said the the conversational dialogue format of Unbelievable has really helped them in understanding how to put that across both to their congregation and and in terms of their personal interactions with with non-believers. Yeah, I mean, and as, as we record this, of course, Stephen Fry has come hit the news again. Yes, uh, over his his anti God rants, whether it was blasphemy or not. Yeah, indeed. So, <laughs> and, and all of which you know f- plays nicely into the hands of Christians who are able to take the opportunities and say, actually, we don't believe in the God that Stephen Fry yes. doesn't believe in. Yeah, kind of yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's really important. And just having for the average Christian, I could imagine if they were confronted with that, you know, very eloquent description of god given by stephen fry in that viral video they might think i don't know what to say to that that's a really that's really hard you know because he's basically giving the classic problem of of suffering and evil but there are answers and it's not easy and it doesn't just you know it's it's not like just solving it by just giving a, a clever answer but there are ways to respond and and i think it's really important that christians in this day and age are ready as as it says in first peter three fifteen, to to give a reason for the hope that they have you mentioned Bart Ehrman, who is a, an ex-believer, but there have been others who have been called themselves ex-Christians, mm. uh, some in the, within the UK. I remember a guy in the leadership of a of a house church, um, you know, came on the show. He'd, he'd basically chucked in his faith and was, mm. was arguing for the other side. Yeah. Any any reflections on on those? Kind yeah. Of situations? So I think I think that's often the hardest kind of atheist or agnostic to. To, to, to hear from is the ex-Christian because there's a sense in which the Richard Dawkins who have never had a faith really um, you can sort of say well they, they don't know what it's actually like they've, they've got this caricature in their head and that's what they're attacking whereas the someone who as far as you can see genuinely has had you know a really strong Christian faith they were in leadership you know they were maybe even evangelists in their day uh, you do think crumbs how can how can things turn around so much for them that today they call themselves an atheist um 
the, probably I've most frequently encountered that in, among American guests who maybe um, were raised in, in a sort of Christian bubble, effectively, maybe in the Bible Belt of America. And what they were given at their church was a very kind of um, down the line kind of prepackaged. This is what Christianity is. And you have and there's these doctrines are the kind of essential core of it and and it all has to fit together like this and then when they've gone into a more secular environment maybe university or wherever suddenly some of those things that they were told by their home church or whatever don't stack up anymore um and very often those have been you know in my experience with ex-christians suddenly my view that the world was created in six days six thousand years ago was no longer uh, that seemed to be challenged. Now, of course, I have people on the show who do defend that view of creation, but um, very often I've, I find that um, the what what they had was those who lose their faith was a very brittle kind of faith because right. it's like the, if one doctrine that they've been told is is essential to their faith mm. gets broken or shattered, suddenly the whole thing comes down like a right. deck of cards. And for me, I I've always felt that it's far more important to. to to, to identify what are the core things that that makes make Christianity livable and, and so on. And for me, those are um, obviously the existence of God, but but Jesus. Jesus is the core of Christianity. Was he who he said he was? Did he rise from the dead? If that's true, if that's if we can sort of say there's good evidence for that and it makes sense to believe that sort of stuff, and then I think all of the rest you, you, you can have a good debate about. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate people do hold some of these things as incredibly important and they are but at the same time it i don't think faith needs to be as brittle as it is when you've got a whole stack of very particular ways interpreting scripture and if one of them gets uh, knocked out then suddenly yeah. the whole thing falls down and that that's quite often been my experience of, of ex-christians and for me i I'd, I'd hope that what unbelievable does is help to to kind of major on the majors and help people to understand that a diversity of viewpoints has existed for millennia in the yes. in the Christian yes. church on, on many of the minor points, mm. you know. Mm. Last question is, um, regards, uh, it's almost going to be like asking you, which is your favourite child? <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've, le- you've heard lots of Christians mm. debating with non-Christians. Uh, mm. Any particularly that you'd, you've admired or perhaps that the listeners might want to yeah. listen to? Well, I, uh, I'm a huge fan of um, Tim Keller. Tim Keller, um, it, well, he's about to hand over the leadership of his church, but he's the pastor of uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. In fact, he's written a very nice endorsement for the book as well. Um, and he's been on the show a couple of times. I think he's a, a wonderful example of someone who dialogues and, and wants to use his ministry to engage with skeptics. Um, but um, John Lennox also, again, uh, has written a nice endorsement on the back of the book, but uh, he's uh, I've known John now for several years. He's been at our unbelievable conferences several times. He's been on the show a number of times. And he's a professor of mathematics at Oxford University, but a wonderful um, Christian thinker and communicator, has done many debates with leading atheists. Uh, but really what's significant about John is he's also just um, his, his character comes through. And th- this is the thing, you know, I mentioned First Peter 3.15, the bit people often forget in that verse is do this with gentleness and respect when you give these reasons for the hope you have. And that's the way John does it. And that makes a huge difference because if we're loud and brash and arrogant in the way we bring across our faith, then we may win an argument, but we don't necessarily win the person. 
And for me, John Lennox is a wonderful um, exponent of being the kind of person who radiates Jesus as well as gives brilliant answers and, and arguments for Christianity. So so finally, let's um, talk a little bit about the book. So it's um, unbelievable why after 10 years of talking with atheists, I'm still a Christian. Uh, what are you hoping the book will accomplish? What's the... Well, the book's aimed at Christians and non-Christians. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that, you know, a, a non-Christian, a sceptic could pick this up and and find it interesting and helpful in terms of making the case for Christianity and feeling like their their side was represented there. Um, but certainly th- this is, if you like, the culmination of, I was asked, uh, I did a 10 year anniversary edition of the show and one of those common questions I got asked, because I asked people just to send in their questions, um, was how are you still a Christian after hearing all of these objections to faith, you know? And the thing is, two people can interpret a conversation a dialogue very differently so what the athe- an atheist listener might think that was a slam dunk you know argument against christianity well i i might be listening and thinking this is a great response to this atheist objection um so much of this is subjective in the end obviously but i i do genuinely believe that there's a really good historical core to christianity i think there are really good um reasons from science from philosophy from our human experience to believe that there is a god who has put us here on this planet and um, so what I'm doing is really making my case for God and Christianity, saying I've, I've heard all the, the arguments to and for and against, and here's what I've kind of dug out of all that. This is my case for Christianity after hosting a lot of these debates. Wonderful. So buy one for yourself and buy one for a sceptical friend. Brother. Yeah. And if it, uh, it's, it's uh, retailing at 9.99, and we've got a, a website where you can find out more. It's unbelievablebook.co.uk. Wonderful. Unbelievablebook.co.uk. Fantastic. Well, it's been a joy to have you on the show. Thank Thanks for so having much. me. Thank you. Congratulations on the book. And Thank for, you. For this wonderful show. So do um, log on to Premier's website and listen to archive recordings of the Leadership File and also on iTunes. Uh, look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.